0: You know, um, last week I started talking about being fully qualified and the thing that we discovered really was that there's something the enemy uses to pull us down, keep us down and sometimes we use the same thing for our flesh to make us feel bigger than we really are. And, you know, whether we compare ourselves to think. We're better than others in certain things or whether we compare ourselves to others and we think we're just not up to it. Neither of those glorify God. And what we discovered was that God chose and chooses and continues to choose the things that the world doesn't say is great, the things that the world regards as foolish and silly and stupid and not up to it and not sophisticated enough and not clever enough and not rich enough and not... Of sufficient status enough, and uh, I just wanted to kind of pull that together in one sentence. And the sentence is this: When you think you are the least likely person to be able to do it, so whether when you when you're sat there thinking you're the least likely person to be used by God to for God to spend time with for God to fill your life with the power of the Spirit, for God to change your life, for God to restore your life. When you think you're the least likely person to be able to do it, you are the most likely person that God is looking for. And we have a problem with that, don't we? Because we've been trained for all our lives that that's not true. Because we've been trained by a world that says you, you need certain things. But God's kingdom works differently. God's kingdom works by him living through you. So when you think you're the least likely person to be able to do it, you are the most likely person to be the person God's looking for. And you are the most likely person to succeed at what God's called you to. That's stunning, isn't it? That you are the most likely person to succeed at what God has called you to do Purely because you are you. And, and you go, well, how can that be? Well, I just want to take a, a slight detour before I get on to showing you how that can be. Because it, it's this, you know, we, I don't know if you have this sense or not, but it's, it's a sense that's gripped me and, and I know it's gripped to others that we have to really wake up now to the times we're living in. This, this isn't a time where the church can afford to not be full of the power of the Holy Spirit. This isn't a time where we can drift along. We, we've been at a conference this week and one of the things that that conference One of the speakers who was an American guy, he's a a church leader, he leads a number of churches in the US, and what, during this lockdown, one third of churches in the US have closed, never to open again. We have to wake up, we are living in the time when Jesus could come back shortly, and you know, when you live in that time, you can say, well, how how am I, how am I kitted out for that, how's that? ever going to work because i don't feel up to that i don't feel i feel like i'll cave in the minute there's any pressure i don't i don't feel i can do this how can i win anybody to christ how can i see anybody heal i can't even you know get my act together and jesus says i'll fill you with my spirit i'll fill you with my spirit and you know there's an urgent need for us as individuals to seek out the Time and the presence of God and relationship with God. You know, we go go on, don't we, about how Christianity is about relationship and not religion. Well, it needs to be about relationship. And and you say, well, you know, I've got a relationship with God. Well, let me tell you this. If you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, He's not the one telling you not to come to church and not to bother. The Holy Spirit isn't the one... Who, who is telling you, you don't need to read your Bible and get into the words. He's not the one who's telling you, you are too busy for me. He's not that one. The Holy Spirit isn't the one who is saying, you have a really, really busy life. You, you, you haven't got any time for God. So just, you know, give, give him 10 minutes and watch a little bit online and it'll be okay. It won't be. Those one third of churches that have shut in the US, they ain't coming back and neither are the people. And we need to wake up and get out of our lethargy and this idea that, you know, we go, well, you know, when things return back to normal, it could be years. Jesus could have come back by the third time things come back to normal. And we need to get Jesus right at the centre of our lives sold out for him, whole out for him, wholeheartedly for him. Yeah. So that it's about Jesus. Yeah. We gave our lives to Jesus. That's how we got saved. They're not ours to take back. That's right. And yet we go, well, you know, I'm busy. I'm doing this. And, and, and I fill my life with this. And I fill my life with that. Time's too short. And, you know, we, every single one of us, He's qualified to get, to save people, to change lives, to pay for people, see them healed. But most importantly, every single one of us is qualified to have our own relationship and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Every single day, every single minute of every single hour. Yeah. We're fully qualified. There's no nothing between you and Jesus. Nothing between you and the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what it'll take, it'll take a hunger and a desire to do that and it'll take a shaking out the apathy that the enemy has used this situation we've been in the last 18 months to bring upon us and it'll take a a, a determination that it's not a one day wonder it'll take a desire to reassess our life and put Jesus back at the centre and I know I know But I don't know what's gone on in your life. I don't know every second of every bit of history and who's done what to who and how you've felt about things. And But I know about my life and it hasn't always been lived, sold out for God and sold out for Jesus. He gave everything for me and I haven't given him everything back all the time. I've gone through phases where I'm completely hacked off. And you might have gone through those as well. I've gone through times in the last 18 months have gone God how how does this ever work again like how, how does this ever work again and the only way it works is for us to have our own personal powerful relationship with the Holy Spirit where Jesus fills our vision and fills our life and Jesus says something really simple doesn't he he says follow me Jesus is not a complicated person He's got one thing he's asked you to do follow him. And yet, if we're honest, we're following anything but him quite a, a large proportion of our time. Yeah. We, we, are, we are driven by all sorts of other things, and he's not the centre. Our, our commitments and, and things that we're doing in our life demonstrate he is not the centre. And so, how do you get fully qualified? And that's a trick question, because you don't. You already are fully qualified to be that person. You already are in the right place to have unblocked fellowship with the Holy Spirit. What's going to make the difference though? Why why, why is it if you're fully qualified, do you not experience that? And are you not seeing that in your own life? Why why do I not see it to the extent I want to in my life? Why is that? Because I'm not fully yielded. I'm not fully yielded. I'm not fully yielded to him. It's It's not a question that I'm not qualified to do it. It's that I'm not fully yielded. And I'm the determinant of that. I'm the determinant of that. You see, you can be fully qualified because it's not about you. It's about him. Your qualification to be the person that God has called you to be does not relate to you qualifying yourself. He's already qualified you. You, you get those qualifications when you become a believer. But whether they work or not in your life depends on how yielded your life is to him and how willing you are to follow him. So you can determine that, but not, none of those things says that you can't do it. You're not good enough. You weren't born in the right place. You haven't got enough money. You haven't got enough talent. You haven't got enough this. You haven't got enough that. Some of the greatest people who in, in, in in the history of Christianity were uneducated people. You know, Smith Wigglesworth couldn't even talk properly. He had a stammer, and yet he raised people from the dead. You know, all this stuff that we we think is a problem. It's not a problem to God. God's problem is that we aren't yielded fully. And we aren't following him. But we are fully qualified. You see, you are fully qualified, not on the basis of who you are, or what you've done. But on the basis of who he is, and what he has done. You might just want to read that again. Just get that into your heart, get it into your soul. You are fully qualified, not on the basis of who you are or what you have done, but on the basis of who he is and what he has done. Too many H's. So why is that? you go, well, okay, I I get that. Because a lot of you will have heard that sort of sentence before. How many of you have heard that sort of sentence before? How many of you believe it? How many of you believe it? I I believe it. I believe it in here yeah. but it really needs to fill my entire being and the only way that's going to happen is if the word of God and the Holy Spirit minister it to change my heart so that I become it yeah. <laughs> and so how, how is it that we can be fully qualified even though in in all when we compare ourselves to others we we seem to come up short in so many many ways and and how is it we can be fully qualified when uh, our life's been such a mess and we've gone st- or drifted so far away from God or, or just let you know, other things fill our life? How is it? Because it, it doesn't depend on us. The qualification doesn't depend on us. What depends on us is our willingness to yield fully our lives to God and to follow him. And anybody can make that decision for themselves. It might not be that easy to implement immediately, you know, you, you might have to change some things about your life. But right now I'm changing things about my life because I realise we we can't we can't afford and I can't afford to have areas in my life that the Holy Spirit isn't in charge of. And and that's that's a challenge. But it's also really exciting. Because I'm going like. So So there's more than I've experienced. There's more to come. And I can know you more deeply. Than I've ever known you. Amen. And the, the thing that gets me really excited. The, the Holy Spirit comes back. And he says yes you can. And it's not a problem. And your qualification to be able to do this. Doesn't depend on you. It depends on what Jesus has done. And why is that? Because. What you have been given is a gift. It's a gift. Your salvation is a gift. Your life with Christ is a gift. Your ability to live this life that Christ has called you to is a gift. And it's an unconditional gift. So let's say that I've got this uh, brand spanking new phone. Well, it's actually several weeks old, but... And and Roger says, I'll have it. So there you are, Roger, it's a gift. (laughs) Yeah, but now he's wound me up. Roger, no, I didn't mean you to wind me up, so you don't get it. But in that case, was that a gift? No, because I've taken it back, haven't I? Because he didn't do what I wanted him to. Everything you have from Christ, everything you have been given, is a gift. And if it's a gift, it doesn't depend on you. It didn't cost you. And it's not getting taken back. So you need to now go, actually, how do I use this gift and how does it work? And one of the things that, at the conference that I've just been to is I've discovered that even though this is like face id in and all, all the rest of it, that some people called Caroline Young John Brewster can nick your phone and put their pictures on it without having to have your face ID. Nothing can be taken away nothing can be spoiled about this gift that we have. And how do I know that? Well, it's really simple. The Bible tells me so. You know, like, it's really, this is, this is really simple stuff. Who you are and what is available to you, it's really simple. It's laid out there, it's not complicated. You yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and you follow Jesus. Yeah. That's not complicated. But how do you know what you've got? And how do you know what is yours? And how do you, do you live in the light of that instead of all this stuff that we've inherited in, in our life? Well, here's what it says. For by grace you have been saved. How are you saved? By grace. But that's, that's free, isn't it? Grace is something that somebody else has done. Grace is something you get that you didn't deserve. Yeah, you. So if you get it without deserving it, what... It can't be taken back, can it? So grace is what Jesus provided when he died at the cross. When he died for you and he paid the price for your salvation, your, uh, for your sins, for your deliverance, for your redemption, for your eternal life, for your healing, for your deliverance and for your safety. And when Jesus did that, he paid it. Yeah. So it's not getting taken back. It's a gift. Grace is always a gift. But here's here's what's exciting about this. For by grace, you've been saved. How? Because grace, you all said grace, you were saved by grace. No, you weren't. Absolutely nobody gets saved by grace. You get saved by grace through faith. You have to actually take it and use it. and, And apply it to your life. And that's the problem, isn't it? You know, we can go along thinking, well, I've got grace. Well, use it. Because without being used, it doesn't work. This is grace through faith. Yes. And here's the thing. That's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. So, hey guys, the biggest ministry on the planet and the smallest person in the tucked away corner in the middle of a nowhere land are all equal. Because yes. it's not by works. So you can't boast about this. You can't boast about how, what great Christian you are. Yeah. Why? Because you've done nothing. If it was valid, Jesus did it through you. You've got nothing to boast about. Why? Because <laughs> it's a gift. He gave you it. Yeah. The only person who should get glory around here is Jesus. Yeah. If we're seeing something that isn't, glorify, isn't is glorifying something else other than Jesus, it's not God. Yeah. It's not the Holy Spirit and it ain't Christianity. It's flesh. So it's a gift. And as a result of that gift, you are now his workmanship in Christ Jesus for the good works which God's prepared before you ha- beforehand. So walk in them. It's simple, isn't it? But we need to wake up and realise that we, we did. So it's a gift. What, what else? It's finished. It's done and it's finished. Uh, in John uh, 19 verse 30, Jesus says well, those, lines, those words, doesn't it? It's the last thing he says. It is finished. What does it mean when he says it's finished? You know, I, I ask that. You, you, you know, it's a bit of a trick question because a lot of you have done Rosalie. You know the answer, but for most of those who don't know the answer, the first time they get that question, they go, a lot of people will say Jesus is suffering on the cross. He's finished. That's all he's saying. In in the original language. It carries this, this uh, truth that he has finished everything he set out to do, anything he needed to do, and everything he ever will do, apart from come back again and get the fruits of what he did. That word, "it is finished, means this, completely complete and perfectly perfect. That's, that's the essence of the original language. What I have done is now completely complete and perfectly perfect. So it's finished. Now, I'm going to come on to what the implications of that are, so you can understand really why that is so important. But let's just go through the other things. It's also complete. I've just said that, haven't I? Jesus said it, completely complete and perfectly perfect. But in in Hebrews, this is what the writer of Hebrews says. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies had made his footstool, for by one offering, one offering, when? 2,000 years ago, 2021 or whatever, depends what your clock works. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who have been sanctified. What does that tell you? It tells you he has paid the full price that ever needs to be paid for everything you need yeah. to save you, to set you free, to deliver you, for, to heal your body, to change your life. And right now, you're in a process called sanctification which means you head off following him in relationship with the Holy Spirit and as you do that, he's changing you from day to day. Yeah. He, he, he He's... He's shining you up until you shine like him yes. that's cool isn't it you're getting shined up until you shine like him that's that's the holy Spirit's project to shine you up till you shine like him and it, and his ability to do that depends on how much time you spend with him yeah. and and how open you are to him and how yielded you are to him you know if i was um, you know, my, my dad had lost a lot of his hair by the time he was my age. I'm like, you know, when he's talking about comparison, he's, man, I'm glad I've still got a bit left. <laughs> but we used to make jokes about shining his head, and as we we used to like, I used to like, do that to his head, and then he'd run off. You know, this was when I was a kid. And and but I couldn't shine his head when he was running off, or when he was avoiding me. And so, you know, the Holy Spirit's job is to make us shine like Jesus shone. But you can only do it if we stay in one place with him. And here's here's the last thing. It doesn't depend on you. None of this depends. Everything I've described so far. None of it depends on you. Except you allowing the Holy Spirit to do it in you. Let me show you that. Hebrews 10, 19-23. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. You know that's what our goal should be in worship and prayers. To enter the holiest place. Yeah. Why? Because it's wide open. Jesus made the way where we can come boldly before the throne of grace to find the help we need. Why? Because it doesn't depend on us. It depends on him. And so when we're worshipping God and when we're praising God, you know, uh, the place I want to be in the middle of worship, he's in the holy of holies. That's why I, you know, I felt from the Holy Spirit to get Joe to stay on that bit this morning about how holy God was, because that's the place I want to be. Not because I'm like super confident and think like, I'm amazingly holy, but because I know how holy He is and how much He loves me to qualify me to be able to get in that place. And, and I don't want to waste that privilege. So, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he he consecrated for us, through the veil, that is his flesh. So he made the way. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised you is faithful. So it doesn't depend on you. Now, here's the point. Jesus did all this at the cross. Through his death, he died to pay the price for all these things. And through his resurrection, he came to give you new life through his spirit and the new birth. So Jesus did all this for you. And and he made it all possible for you. So it's a gift, it's done and finished, it's complete, and it doesn't depend on you. Let me just illustrate that. Some of you have heard me do this, if you've done rock solid. Why does it not depend on you? Because you weren't there when it happened. You weren't there 2,000 years ago when Jesus was doing this for you, when he was dying for you and when he rose again. That means you can't mess it up. Unless you've got a time machine. Anybody got a time machine? No, so you can't mess it up. Nor can you change it. Because you haven't got your time machine. You can't mess it up, you can't change it. And better still, you can't pay for it. You know, even cryptocurrency can't travel through time. It might travel through quantum packets in some sort of data source, but it can't travel through time. You can't pay for this. Here's the other good thing. The devil can't mess it up either. He can't touch it. He can't touch this. The enemy cannot change this. He had one goal. And guess what he did? He facilitated it. He made it happen. His own end. He made happen. How cool is that from Jesus? That means like, hey. I'll, 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 I'll get him to bring about his own end. I'll get him to bring about his own defeat. And what's more, when he by the time he realizes it, he can't change it because it's happened. So what, what's the implications about that? Why, why, would G, why would God give you that gift? Why would he give you it? What's special about you? Here's what's special about you. He loves you. That's what's special about you. Everything that's special about you, of all the special, special things that God's put in you, the specialist, I'm not sure that's a word, but the specialist is that he loves you. There's nothing that compares... I I just don't get it. I mean, it's like, I, I can't get my head around the fact that somebody who would create the universe would love me. Somebody who could do anything he liked had zillions, gazillions of angels worshipping praising him actually takes the time to listen to my worship. I I don't understand that. I mean, you do not know how bad my worship is in my own little room. You might have heard how bad my worship is on a Sunday morning, but it does not compare to when I'm left on my own because then I don't have anybody to drown me out. I mean, and he loves it. (laughs) He loves it. He loves it when my heart goes after him. Why? Because he did all this for love. That's the special thing that's about me is that Jesus loves me. If, if I have nothing else, Jesus loves me. I, I, it's like, I can't, how do you grasp that? I mean, like, I, I want to do a little jig. No. No, I'm not going to, Roger. But when Aston Villa beat Tottenham today, then we might we'll have a bit of a celebration. What's the implication Have it been done and finished? Well, I've said this, it? you can't mess this thing up. You can follow Jesus and yield your life to him, or you don't. But you haven't changed anything. It's still there. And even if you've kind of, like, not had him at the centre, even if you've kind of prioritised your life in ways that ain't right, even if you've justified all all the things that have moved Jesus from the centre of your life it doesn't matter, he's not moved you just go back, you just start again right now start again right now one step come out of this thing that, that the enemies used to make you cower and that lethargy that he's put on us all You know, the the reason, you know, a big reason why we need to push through and focus on moving into the Holy of Holies in worship and making it about ministering to him is that the enemy has used this to shut our mouths. He's used it to shut down heart worship. And and we can be so busy and so tied up in the things of church that we forget that he's the centre and he's the one we worship. We go all out for him. So it's complete. It can't be changed. I'm I'm so excited it can't be changed. I'm so excited it can't be changed. Why? Because that means it's always available for me to start again. And the goalposts haven't shifted because of my life. It's a rock that doesn't move and that I can stand on. Yeah. Paul calls it, it's the grace in which we stand. Yeah. It's the place where we can uh, push back against this world that's tried to disconnect us from God and tried to disconnect us from his purposes for our life and tried to disconnect us from following him. And of course, it doesn't depend on you. Why? Because it's all about him. It's all about him. Can I have the worship team? You know. When we lose that simple thing. We get off track. It's all about him. You know. I, I remember years ago. Being really kind of. This is, this is like a pastor confession. You know, I need somebody here to go bless you, my son, do six Hail Marys at the end of it, that sort of thing. But this is, this is Bob, he's holy, he can do that, can't kind of he? This is a pastor confession. I, I remember years ago being really offended by somebody who was uh, kind of leading the church and saying, it's not about you. It's so not about you. It, it's about the lost. It's about those who don't know Jesus yet. And, and I remember being offended about it, because at the time I was offended because I thought, "Don't I matter?" And there is a thing that our church meetings, to some extent, and the way we, we relate to each other as a family, is about us. It's about us growing and developing to be more like Christ and encouraging each other in that. But that's not the point, and this is what I missed when I got offended. It's not about me either, really. It's about him. Why is it about him? Because I gave him my life. So it's not about me. All it is, is about seeing him, knowing him, encountering him, loving him, following him, hearing his voice, doing what he says and yielding up bits of my life that I don't want to yield up so that he can cleanse them, he can wash them and he can set them free and change them. That's what it's about. It's about him. And, and when we think of all these things that we could do and, and, and organise and make happen, if any single thing takes away or changes or blocks out our vision that Jesus is number one, right at the centre of things and it's all about him, we've got a problem. Yeah. If I preach and I'm not preaching Jesus and it's not about him, and you don't see him and you don't see his heart, I've failed. Because it's about him. And, and right now, you know, I think my challenge, and I, I want to throw this same challenge out to you, is is my life really all about him? Of, have I let these last years take that away and rob me of it? Is it really? Am I really living? And, 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 I've lost the word. Am I really living and am I really uh, thriving in in what he gave me to do? Or are i being been like swimming around in a goldfish bowl with everybody else? You know it's so important. We haven't got the time. Jesus is coming back soon. We we can't we can't wait till everything's okay. Like we were doing well, weren't we? But then six petrol pumps to not die and the whole country's in Korea co- again because six petrol pumps didn't have petrol. Because we, we, we do all these crazy things and something will happen tomorrow. Yeah. You know, another ship will crash in the Suez Canal or something. Who knows? We, we, we can't go on yeah. without Jesus being number one. We, yeah. If anything, what I want to do this morning is call you back to that first time you gave Jesus your life. And I want you to just be in that place and get the awe of it and the wonder of it. Let's stand.